0: as I was going through and, you know, in my forties and fifties, and I, I felt like I had a lot of problems, but I was still saving. And I can only say that things worked out. You know, my husband did stop drinking. I mean, we did get divorced. And that's how I know that at age 50, I had exactly $1 million at age 50. And here I am in my sixties. And now I have Five point something million and it's I don't know how it happened it just it I just forgot about it and it grew but I do want to encourage people that even though you might have a hard life things work out and it just keeps saving just keep putting money away if you can
1: you're listening to the millionaires unveiled podcast where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires we'll unveil their decisions their strategies and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson.
2: Alrighty, hello and welcome back to another episode of the Millionaires Unveiled podcast where we tell the stories and strategies of everyday millionaires and unveil their current portfolio allocations. This is episode number 99. Pretty crazy that it's been almost 100 episodes and 100 millionaires interviewed. Because of that milestone, we wanted to release a special episode and interview for number 100. So what a better way to celebrate our 100th episode than release a t- terrific interview with an amazing guest worth that same number, $100 million. So again, a really special interview next week with our guest worth just over nine figures. On last week's show, we had Chris. He has a current net worth of $1.8 million, 70% of which is invested in real estate. He and his investment partner have around 50 single-family rentals, all in Texas, and all within a short distance of each other. We get into the details with him on what each house rents for, how much they cost, and how he's been able to grow his net worth through his real estate portfolio. On this week's episode, we have Diane. She's an engineer by trade, but now teaches engineering. She has a net worth of, of about $5.5 million and has a remarkable and inspiring story of saving and investing over time to get to where she is today. But before we get into that interview with her, just want to quickly take a moment to thank our sponsor, Obsidian Capital, for supporting the show. Creating passive income is one of the quickest ways to create and establish wealth. At Obsidian Capital, their core philosophy is to enable qualified investors to create long-term wealth passively through strategic real estate investments. Their team of experienced real estate professionals identify stabilized and value-add multifamily real estate assets that will provide strong financial returns, a healthy risk profile, tax incentives, and additional benefits that come with investing in real estate. They pride themselves on a high level of integrity and have experience in acquiring and managing over $300 million in multifamily assets. Furthermore, their leadership has over 45 years of combined industry experience. View their website today to learn more about their streamlined investment process at www.obsidiancapitalco.com. We appreciate all of you tuning into the podcast and listening week after week. If you enjoy the show, we'd appreciate you leaving a five-star review on either iTunes or Stitcher. It helps us grow the show and also reach new millionaire interviewees. Speaking of new millionaire interviewees, if you'd like to be on the show and share your financial story, if you have a net worth of one million or more or close to, feel free to reach out to us. Our email again is millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. But without
1: any further delay, please help me welcome today's guest, Diane. Welcome to the show, Diane. Do you want to just give us a little bit about your background and kind of what you're up to now?
0: Well, I'm an electrical engineer, and I've I've gone into teaching engineering, and I've managed to accumulate about $5.5 million. And basically, I'm just like a born saver. I, I remember hoarding my Halloween candy to make it last six months, and I remember lending money to my parents when I was just in sixth grade. Um, so I've always been a saver.
1: Wow. Okay. So let's unpack this a little bit. Your net worth sitting at 5.5 million. How's that broken up?
0: Well, I have three houses. I live in Minnesota and then I have a, a cabin in Northern Minnesota. And then I also have a winter home in Florida. And then I've had other homes in the past. So I sold my son one of my homes. And I bought a place in Florida for my sister, too. So about a million in homes and then $4.9 million in my IRA.
1: Wow. OK, so you've got a million dollars in homes and are all those paid off?
0: Um. Yep. All of them are paid off. And then the ones that my sister and my son, they're actually paying me the mortgage with the interest, mortgage interest.
1: Nice. And how did you end up accumulating $4.9 million in your IRA?
0: I mean, nothing special about me. My my mom was the secretary. My dad's a truck driver. And I got married young. I was about 20. I have four kids with a 16-year age spread. Um, I just worked as a computer operator at, at a company where I saw what engineers did And in my 20s, I thought, I can do that. And I went back to college, and I got my engineering degree. And it took me eight years because I worked full-time while I went to school, part-time. And then I started working as an engineer at age 42. And my husband worked as a programmer, and he was also a saver, uh, but he's also into investing so he just begged when we had small kids for $5,000 to invest. <laughs> and so he started investing and I i thought we could barely afford diapers. And, but we lived frugally and we saw his pr- investments starting to grow. And we always put 10% into our retirement. And then we also bought company stock. And I think that was one of our biggest Smartest moves we ever did was, uh, we were at a new company and we bought company stock. So we lived frugally, had the company stock. We bought about 10,000 shares at $10 a share. And then the company decided to IPO. And when they ipo the stock price went immediately to $16 a share and they did a six for one split. So we literally became millionaires overnight.
2: Wow, that's amazing. So so just backing up here on this on the stock option. So you put a hundred thousand dollars initially into company stock.
0: Yes, we did. And then and then that and then we also had about three to four hundred thousand that we were putting in an IRA and saving on the side. But we also, I mean, we really decided to invest in the company.
2: Wow, and and did you worry at all? Was that a risky move for you guys or or not I so much? I don't
0: know. I think we were young and dumb and didn't know any better. <laughs> I mean, that's before pre Enron. So, we were young and dumb and did that.
2: Well, um, it obviously worked out for you. And then and then you yeah, you made six, about 960,000, nearly a million dollars just in that stock, but I assume if you guys were putting 10% into retirement and living frugally and saving, you were your net worth was you were probably close to a million right before that
0: yeah because we did have three hundred thousand separate from the company stock we didn't just do company stock we we had money separate investing because i started investing in my 20s and um i just always i knew i'd be a millionaire someday i just i i just knew it because i i'm a saver and I always wanted to save, no matter what. Maybe to a detriment to my kids, but I don't think they're hurting.
2: <laughs> so you were at about three hundred thousand net worth. Then you got nine, about nine sixty. So it took you to let's call it one point four. And, and then it, from there, we talked a little bit briefly before the show. It, it grew significantly.
0: Yeah. Then the company. I mean, once they IPO'd, the company went from sixteen dollars a share to. I mean, it grew to thirty-two dollars a share. I mean, right now it's sitting at eighty-five dollars a share. Wow! So, but you know, I had sixty thousand shares. I have diversified since then. So, if I still had only that company stock, I'd probably have more like ten million now. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, that would that would be risky
2: and And at what price did you sell it at did you did you sell it all or did you hold some for a long term?
0: We sold that at different times um i I kept a lot um my, my husband and my finances are separate. I kept a lot, but then you know as you get older, you know that you have to diversify. I kept the stock through the two thousand eight recession, and where everybody else's portfolio went down like 40, 50%. Mine went down 20. Oh, wow. But because I only had that company stock and then whatever else I had in retirement. So I didn't get hit as bad as others. But as I've gotten older, and I'm in my 60s now, I just you can't just hold one company stock. So I still hold some but more or less my portfolio is in Vanguard and that's diversified.
2: Yeah, so let's talk about that. With so much in IRAs, almost $5 million, is it in index funds? Is it in actively managed funds? How is it diversified? What are you invested in?
0: Well, first, um, because when I got, I mean, I have used a financial planner. I had about $2 million in with a financial planner and I was paying him just a flat rate Of $4,000 a year. And he died a couple years ago, but he taught me a lot about investing. So that $4,000 to me was really the price of it, education. Mm. Uh, But when he died, he he sold his, I don't know how they do it. But anyways, he sent me over to, I got with another financial planner who wanted to charge 1% annually. And that turned to, $20,000. $20,000. And then I switched everything to Vanguard. So I have Vanguard managing half of it. And then I manage the other half. And I use Paul Merriman's buy and hold. But with Vanguard, what they have me in is Vanguard intermediate term investment, Vanguard short term investment, Vanguard total bond market, Vanguard total international Vanguard International Stock, and uh, VTSAX, Vanguard Total Stock Market.
2: Okay, so you're, you're pretty well diversified all across the board then.
0: Yeah, they uh, Vanguard actually thinks I should be at 60% stock, 40% bonds. So that's what that portion is. I feel comfortable having 70% stocks, 30% bonds. So the one point four IRA that I manage, I have with uh, Paul Merriman's buy and hold. So I I have that diversified to what that portfolio is.
2: Gotcha, gotcha. And do you think that allocation will change in the next ten years or so, or do you do you kind of think it'll always be seventy thirty or sixty forty?
0: Well, right now, um, like I said, I I just retired, so. And because I switched from engineering and to teaching engineering and I teach at a local community college, I'm actually retired with a pension and between my pension and social security, I don't, I'm not really touching my IRA and I don't expect to until I'm 70 or when I have to take out the RMDs.
2: Right. Right. And and just for people that maybe aren't familiar, how much are you getting from your social security and and that pension?
0: My social security is about twenty five thousand a year, and my pension is about twenty five thousand a year. I also, you know, I I told you I sold two homes, so I'm getting sixteen hundred a month from not rent but mortgages. Yeah,
2: the mortgage payment.
0: So i I'm at around seventy five thousand a year is what I'm like and I'm just newly into this retirement thing, so I'm trying to work it out
2: but yeah and how much do you spend a year is is fifty or seventy five thousand enough to cover your expenses or do you spend more than that
0: um nope that i'm i everything is paid off, so I'm literally debt free and um so I'm just paying off basic expenses of, you know, utilities on the homes and yeah, and golfing fees, you know, they run pretty high.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then vacations. Do you take many vacations or
0: Well, that's one of the since I've retired and and actually realized I have a lot of money, which is just kind of shocking and mind-blowing to me cuz I knew I had a million and it just seemed like I blinked my eyes and all of a sudden it's at three million and then four million. And I, I can't believe it because it's literally, I've just let it sat and grow. But I mean, while I say I'm frugal, you know that I've bought houses and they're actually pretty nice houses. Um, they're most, most of them are like 300,000. And then I also take my, and I have four kids. They're all married. I have four grandkids. So we've gone on some pretty nice vacations to Sweden, where my grandparents are from. We've all gone to Hawaii. We've gone to Calgary to see the Calgary Stampede. Gone on Caribbean cruises. I took everybody down to Disney World. Next year, we're planning a Mediterranean cruise with the whole family. So I'm trying to get into the spending mode after being <laughs> so <cool. laughs>
2: Well, that's amazing. <laughs> and, and just out of curiosity, are, are you paying for all that? Do you pay for flights and food and excursions and all that for your kids? Or do you just pay a portion and then make them pay for some of it? How do you do that?
0: What we've done in the past is I pay for all of the the crews and everything I can through the travel agency. So our flights and everything are all covered. But then excursions and their spending money, they all pay for that.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's a good balance. Lucky kids, right? So I got to ask, what's your philosophy, and maybe you don't want to answer this in case case your kids are listening to this, but what's your philosophy on on generational wealth and handing some of this money down? Is that something you're interested in doing, or would you rather donate it to charities or donate it to other causes or give it away? What are kind of your thoughts there?
0: Right now, that's what I'm actually working on right now. I mean, like with Vanguard Advisors, I'm working on how to... I want to get some of this IRA money. 4.9 million in IRA is, is to me ridiculous because I'm going to end up paying taxes on that. And then with the new legislation going through Congress, you know, they're, they're going to try to eliminate the stretch IRA. So I, I want to put as much as I can over to Roth. Right now, my Roth is only at a hundred thousand. So I'm trying to do, uh, those conversion, Roth conversions without making everything go higher. Cause now I see that Medicare goes up if my income goes up. So it's like a little circle here. And I'm working with the CPA so that we can convert as much. But otherwise I, w- I would like my kids to all inherit at least 500,000 each. I want to pay for my grandkids' college. I really feel strongly about giving back. So I I mean, right now I give about twenty thousand to charity and that's from my brokerage account. It's appreciated stock. You know, as I told you, I bought the stock at ten dollars a share and it's eighty five now. So I give charity about ten to twenty thousand dollars a year away there. And
2: you're pretty you're pretty savvy with some of these tax strategies
0: trying to be. I'm just learning.
2: Sounds great.
1: So when you were saving and investing and earning, you know, let's just say 20, 25 years ago, did you think about RMDs? Were you thinking about what are the consequences tax-wise putting money into this traditional IRA, and k and everything else?
0: I knew some of this was going on, but absolutely not. I mean, I was always trying to Pay as minimal taxes as I possibly could. So I put it into IRA. I did at one point convert about 90,000 of company stock I was going to convert to Roth. And I actually did it. And then I recharacterized it because I didn't want to pay the taxes on that. And if that was, that was the biggest stupid move I ever have done. But I did it. So that's why I have so much in my IRA.
1: Yeah. So rewinding, would you go back and do it any differently than you've done it?
0: Well, I would have uh, kept that. I would have kept conversions. And I wish I had started doing Roth conversions from my IRA sooner. As I said, I had some in Vanguard. I had my money kind of split in my 50s. Like I had some with a financial planner, I had some in Vanguard, and I had no idea how much money I really had until I moved it all into Vanguard, and then it's like, wow, that's really a lot.
1: Yeah, and then Wh- when would and you? And that's made- when
0: I started thinking about uh, what should I do.
1: Yeah, when you think maybe you would have? wanted to start those conversions? Was it like 10 years ago or maybe 15 years ago? Or when do you think would have been that optimal time for your situation?
0: Oh, I would have started it way sooner. Like like in my 50s, I would have started converting up to like the next tax level or something. I know that my tax base when I was working, I've never made more than 82000 a year.
1: Whoa, and I you're kidding. You're worth over $5 million and you've never made over $82,000 a year? No. Oh, my gosh. Wow. You didn't tell us that part. Well. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You Think about this. You've never had a six-figure income. You're sitting at the average retirement age in the United States and you're worth over $5 million. That's incredible. Yep. That's in, absolutely incredible. Well, yep. Man, okay. So keep going. So you wish you would have started some of these conversions a little bit earlier. Yeah, what I
0: was what I was saying is that I, I mean, I know that I was in the twelve percent tax rate, and I don't know what I was thinking. I mean, I wasn't thinking because I didn't realize it, but I could have easily gone into the twenty four percent tax bracket and did Roth conversions all along. So like in my 50s, I should have started converting this money because a lot of that growth has happened, you know, from compound interest. I mean, honestly, I just think compound interest is like a miracle.
1: Yes. Yeah, the eighth wonder of the world per, per Einstein, right? Yes. Let's let's shift gears here a little bit. And I want to talk about something that you've, you've kind of touched on and Clark kind of touched on as regards to, to generational wealth. And you kind of Gave us a little synopsis of what you kind of want to do in the future. What did you do and maybe what have you been doing to raise your children to be savvy investors and spenders and savers and earners?
0: Well, I'm. I'm when we were raising our kids, we just always we wanted to um, we tithed and then we always wanted them to to save. So we have a tithe bucket, a save bucket and then you know, your live on spending bucket. And I've never set aside less than 10% of my income. And it didn't matter how, how poor we were. I've always had that money going away, you know, set aside. So like I said, I was a born saver. And then with my kids, I mean, all my kids, they're actually all pretty good savers now, but they weren't all And, but I think as they've gotten older and my kids have a, there's a 16 year span between my oldest and my youngest and my youngest and I've cash flowed their college. You know, I kept working, you know, like I said, I retired in my sixties. So I kept working until all 16, all four of them were through college, but it was like 16 years of nonstop paying tuition as I went along because I cash flowed their their colleges. And and I think now all of them are actual savers. So they're all in good spots. So I, I don't know that they'll need my money, but I'm certainly willing to give it to them. And then I definitely want to give to charities. And there's some that, you know, like my passion is engineering and opening it up to women and minorities. And so that's where my passion is and where I teach summer classes. And so that's where I'll probably do a lot of charity donations.
1: That's awesome. So while you're earning and accumulating this wealth, were your kids aware of kind of your financial situation and and are they aware of it now or has that been something that you've kind of kept kind of close to the chest for the most part?
0: Yeah, my kids do not know. And actually, right before this show, I showed my middle son, cause I'm actually at his house right now, that my Uh-oh. Vanguard balance. Cats
1: out of the bag.
0: <laughs> yeah. I showed him my balance of 4.9 cause I thought he might overhear our conversation and I wanted oh. him to know not just overhearing. So. When I shared it with him, he was just like, Mom, I knew you had money, but I had no idea. <laughs> um, but he's the saver himself, so I know he will get to that status. He'll be a millionaire someday, but on his own. But, I, I mean, he will probably inherit some, too.
2: Well, that's pretty amazing. Do you have any debt at all?
0: I have no loans, if that's what you mean. I pay utilities, and I Do don't you have... have
2: a- do you have a credit card? I know it's not counted debt. I'm just curious.
0: Oh, yes, I do. I do use one credit card that I put I charge everything on, and then I do pay that off monthly. Gotcha and so, we, and all of my vacations and stuff i mean i i I have um a fifty one thousand balance for emergency fund. I know that's pretty cash heavy. But when I'm, you know, I'm paying for this Mediterranean cruise, so I want to have money when that comes due. I just want to have money to just take and pay it off.
2: Sure. So, Diane, it's a, it's a pretty amazing story, right? You, you never made over $80,000. You have a net worth of, you know, five and a half, almost $6 million. And, and you know, one of the messages I really like that you shared with us before the show is, is kind of one of hope and determination. And, And you shared with us that it always hasn't been easy. Right, I know there's been some sicknesses and other things along the way. What's kind of your message to people that are in a similar position as you or they're just starting out or maybe they feel like they can't get ahead? What's what's your advice in kind of to keep going and keep moving forward in this journey?
0: Well, I know that that is one of the things. I haven't always had an easy life um when we when I was going through college I didn't take out student loans, but I did put $40,000 on in on my credit card. As I got my engineering degree, I just put all my money on to paying off my credit card debt because that's the highest credit card debt I've ever had. And then also, you know, my, my husband is an alcoholic and we're actually divorced. I've had my kids in child protection because they were in the car when you know, somebody was driving drunk. And so I know that, you know, as I was going through and, you know, in my 40s and 50s, and I, I felt like I had a lot of problems, but I was still saving. And I can only say that things worked out, you know, my husband did stop drinking. I mean, we did get divorced. And that's how I know that at age 50, I had exactly $1 million at age 50 and here I am in my 60s and now I have five point something million and it's I don't know how it happened it just it I just forgot about it and it grew but I do want to encourage people that even though you might have a hard life things work out and it just keeps saving just keep putting money away if you can.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. And you, and as you shared, you just started in your twenties and you started putting ten percent away and, and compound interest. It just kept growing, it kept growing. You had a nice windfall right from the from the company stock, but then it just kept building and building and you lived frugally and and now here we are. Yeah, that's amazing that you were yeah, you were you were a net worth millionaire at fifty and now it's five point five just fifteen years later. So four and a half million dollars in the last fifteen years. It's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like almost unbelievable. And that's, that's what I think, too. But I do live frugally. I mean, you wouldn't look at me, I would be like the millionaire next door, you would never think I had a million dollars. But it it just happened.
2: Yeah, well, you don't just have a million, you have five and a half of them. So pretty amazing. I want to get into just some rapid fire questions here before we wrap up and, and maybe hear any financial mistakes you've made or any last pieces of advice? So uh, what are the most expensive pair of jeans or pants you've ever purchased in your life?
0: Probably $50. Okay.
2: Most expensive shoes?
0: That was $160. Okay.
2: You say that with a smile. I can tell. You still have yeah. them?
0: No, I don't. But it was a special kind of tennis shoes. And, you know, I wanted to take good care of my feet because I was on my feet a lot when I was working. So I, to me, that was a huge splurge.
2: <laughs> okay. Most expensive car?
0: 45000 And I'm still driving it. I bought a brand new Honda Accord. I, one of my son's works as a Honda mechanic. And he said if I bought a Honda, he'd always take care of it. And he certainly has.
2: Oh, and I still nice. have it. How many miles do you have on it?
0: Like a uh, hundred and thirty thousand.
2: Okay, awesome. There you go. Uh, most ex- expensive meal out that you've paid for?
0: Um, when we went to Hawaii, it happened to be over my son's birthday, and we went to a luau, and the meal actually cost eleven hundred dollars.
2: Okay. Uh, what items or experiences are worth spending more money on to you?
0: Uh, totally. I want to enjoy my money with my kids. So going on family vacations is, that's my kind of thing. And if my kids will go with me, I'll bring them anywhere.
2: And and Diane, just backing up, was that kind of the goal? Did you ever think that in your 20s, 30s, 40s? Was that a goal that, hey, I'm going to keep saving and eventually I'll be able to you know to spend the money for my kids and go on these family vacations or is it just kind of something that's happened recently as your net worth has continued to increase drastically
0: As soon as we had made that first million that's when we started our family vacations so I, it you know it was like and and actually even though we made that million because it was all in IRA it didn't change our our um paychecks at all we just knew we had we had a million dollars, and in it it's something with your mindset changes because then all of a sudden it was freeing to spend a little bit more money on things, it, and and we managed to you know squeak out the money from our income. So I don't know, it was kind of freeing, but we didn't take that million and spend it. We just spent more of our the money we had. That's when I actually bought our vacation home too, is after we made that first million. And then we've built, you know, the house actually cost 40,000, but we built up on it and it's worth like 275 now.
2: Oh, wow. And I know those houses are paid off. You said, did you buy them initially in cash or did you have a mortgage on them when you purchased them?
0: The cabin we actually bought from a uh, owner financed. And then we paid that off within like, I think seven years.
1: Awesome. But again,
0: that was only 40,000. And then we had a Wausau home built on it. So we dreamed and then they put it up within three days.
2: Oh, wow. Wow.
0: And then the other homes we've had the house in Minnesota, we've had, um, a mortgage for it. And then I just paid it off. I didn't realize it's so hard to pay off a Wells Fargo mortgage. They don't (laughs) want, I went in the bank to pay it and they didn't want to take my money. They said they had to send it off somewhere and I couldn't just pay it off until I talked to a branch manager and they did actually take the money and, and pay it off, but they had never had anybody do that sad. Wow. And then my Florida house, I just paid that in cash too.
2: Wow, that's pretty crazy. Not not a great plug there for Wells Fargo, huh? So you mentioned that at 50, when you hit millionaire, it was a little freeing. Did it increase your confidence or happiness levels? You know, being mid 60s and having five and a half million, has that increased your happiness levels? Are you more happy with the money? Or did you kind of hit a certain point that you said, hey, I have enough to to fit my lifestyle and and my happiness levels have kind of flattened out.
0: I know that as I was um, young with kids, I mean, I, I remember being just so tired all the time, but I always worked full time. And then, as I said, my husband was an alcoholic. So I always had to deal with this alcoholism and make sure my kids are still safe. And, and I don't mean to belittle my ex-husband because he's wonderful. He just had a problem and he's quit drinking now. So we get along really good now. We're, we're really best of friends, but it was kind of hard. And I don't know. Maybe I lost track of what I was going with.
1: No, that's, that's all good. Why don't, uh, why don't you just give us your final pieces of, of advice for somebody who's just starting out? They want to get going. Maybe they're late to the game, like you were in in some sense of you know in, to some degree, and they aren't getting started till the thirties or forties. What piece of advice would you give to them?
0: Well, I know that with my college students, I, I I every college class I have, even though it's you know more focused on engineering, I always tell them about saving and saving when you're young, and because of compound interest, and I'll show them charts of how you can save for 10 years and then not save again and you'll have as much money as somebody who starts saving later in their 30s or 50s but save you know and are putting away twice as much. I I recommend I'm totally into the debt free so I'm a follower of Dave Ramsey in the debt free area. I really like JL Collins a simple path to wealth. I've learned a lot from him. Paul Merriman, I I follow him a lot with and on his website. And that's how I did my own investing with, you know, one and a half million dollars. So I just recommend
1: saving. Awesome. Diane with a net worth over $5.5 million. Thanks for sharing your inspiring story with us.
0: Well, thanks for having me. It was fun.
1: Thanks, Diane.